This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina. Welcome everyone, this is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life on 88.5 FM Catholic Radio WSFI. And I am here on a Saturday um, with my dear friend, Joan Spheris. Welcome, Joan. Thank you, Letty. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. I want to explain a little bit about my relationship with Joan. She's one of my dearest sisters in Christ. And I actually did a show with her almost two years ago, year and a half ago, with her and her husband. They came on my show and they shared their amazing story of... Uh, tragedy and triumph um, because they had a pregnancy that was with a child that had trisomy 18. And it's a powerful story of God's love and mercy and strength. And yet it was tremendously sorrowful to walk through a pregnancy where you knew you had a child that was, um, that had a lot of health issues in utero and you didn't know what the outcome was going to be. So we're going to, you know, we're going to refer to John Paul, your beautiful son, um, who is now with our Lord uh, throughout this show, because it's, it's a big part of your story. But, you know, the reality is that Joan and I are mothers and we love the Blessed Mother. And it was the Blessed Mother who brought us together. And we've been friends now, uh, walking together on this journey of faith for 16 years. And we came together through a rosary group. I don't know if you want to say anything about just that, how God brought us together. I think it's neat. Yes, I think it's just such a beautiful story because it tells me about the providence of God. Because my heart just desired to go a little bit deeper and just to learn more about my faith. But I didn't really know what was coming, which is so beautiful, too, because the Lord is gentle and he just brings us along. And he surrounded me with this group, this very small group of women to begin to pray together on a regular basis. And from there, my entire life changed. Yes. My entire life. Yes. And so we were neighbors and we began to pray the rosary uh, with a group of neighbors. And it was just the three of us, you and me and Patty initially, and then other women would come and go. So Joan and I um, walk very closely together. And when I was praying about this show, which we're going to talk about the seven sorrows of Mother Mary. And the reason that the Lord put this on my heart is that in the month of September, the church celebrates Our Lady of Sorrows. And it's a a beautiful feast. um, And it's probably not well understood by a lot of Catholics. Um, So I thought it would be a beautiful way for us to give honor to Our Lady, who is so important to the two of us. So let's begin first by, we're going to go through each of the seven sorrows, and we're going to hopefully educate the listeners about Our Lady of Sorrows. And the first sorrow is when Mother Mary and St. Joseph presented Jesus in the temple, and there was a prophecy by Simeon, okay? And it's, you can read this in Luke chapter 2, 25 through 35. And basically what I'm going to focus on is that Simeon says, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, 
This child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted and you yourself a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So that's the part of the scripture that I really want to focus on, right? So he's telling her right there that your heart's going to be pierced by a sword. And so Joan, you know, when we consider the sufferings of our own children, we know that this is truth, that when mothers who love their children see their children suffer, they suffer because our hearts are so united to our children, right? What would you share um, with our listeners about that? Yeah, I mean, that's just inevitable as a mother that we're going to suffer. It's not if we're going to suffer, it's when we're going to suffer. I think when I first started contemplating this one, the prophecy of Simeon, I had a hard time understanding Blessed Mother because she was so perfect. And I always thought, well, she just was so perfect that she wouldn't have suffered. But the more I thought about that and the more I read about that, I realized as a parent how connected we are to our own children's hearts. And she was connected in that way to Jesus too. And because she was immaculately conceived, she actually felt it even deeper Every single one of his sorrows, every single pain, she felt even deeper than we can ever imagine. So that helped me to understand what that prophecy must have been like for her, to for her to recognize she was going to suffer yes. greatly. When I had that realization, I began to really understand her better and to be able to call on her better in those times with my own children. And, and when I had that big need to entrust them to God and to know that God loves them more than I do, and to just let them all go to him. Exactly. And, you know, that's one of my favorite, um, when we pray the rosary, one of the mysteries of the rosary is the presentation of Jesus to Simeon in the temple. And the funny thing is, it's a joyful, it's a joyful mystery. Right. Right. So that's kind of funny because here we're talking about a sorrow of Mary and yet we pray it as a joyful mystery. Now there it's a dichotomy, right? It's it's the double edged sword or the 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 side of both coins, you know, the opposite side of the coin. That with great joy there is also great sorrow sometimes. When with great love, there's also great pain and suffering. And I think you and I both have learned, right, that with the children that God has blessed us with, um, both those that we have on earth with us and those that he took to heaven already. I've lost children to miscarriage. You obviously gave birth to John Paul full term, and then the Lord took him home 33 minutes later. Um, We both know the suffering of loss of children. Absolutely. And yet we offered them back to the Lord and we said they were never ours to begin with, really. They're yours. You decide who we have as mothers and you decide who we don't get to walk with on this earth. And this is the truth, that they belong to the Lord. Yeah, they're his children first. And I, I really want to emphasize that to the listeners because it is oftentimes, I think, mothers in particular get very attached to their children. They cling to them thinking that they're theirs and we have to let go and say, no, they belong to to our Lord first. And we have to trust that the Lord is really going to take care of them, even when they don't always, you know, stay on the path that we want them to. Okay, so let's talk about the second sorrow. And this is an interesting one. So this is the flight into Egypt. Okay, so when we go to Matthew 
2, chapter 2, 13 through 15, it says, when they, and I, who they're talking about is the Magi, when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. So there Mary is, a brand new mother, right? She's going through the emotions of like marveling at the beauty of this new child. She's emotional with all the, probably all the hormone changes, all that kind of craziness. Because she is fully human. She's not divine, but she's filled with grace. And we know that. But here, very soon after, she's got to flee in the dark of night to Egypt. Like, how frightening is that? Can you imagine? No, I mean, and she was young. So this was a very young mother. And, you know, probably not with a lot of support of her family around her and to have to thought of fleeing without them. Right. Without that support. Yeah, she she's moving to a new country all of a sudden, new surroundings, new food, new everything. Getting new to motherhood, taking care of a child. I remember being a new mother. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Yes, and that the, that the Lord would entrust this child to us and let us leave with them. It was crazy at the time. <laughs> it was crazy at the time. So we can kind of, you know, imagine that she might have been a bit overwhelmed, although again, she's filled with grace and we, you know, aren't always filled with grace the way that she was. Um, But to flee is to run away because of danger. And so there must have been some level of fear about their journey and, you know, wondering if Herod might try to pursue them. And I know that I would feel anxious if I had to flee into another country because someone was trying to kill my baby. I don't know. Like, so Joan, in some ways you did experience this in your own journey, right? Was when you learned that you were pregnant with a child who had a genetic abnormality. You had to protect that child, didn't you? I really did. And I can understand how Blessed Mother felt because I had a lot of opinions given to me at the time. I was about four months along when we found out that he had trisomy 18. And the pressure of the world and the pressure of many people around us was to terminate his life. And by the grace of God, my husband and I were strong and convicted in our our pro-life, you know, feelings and we knew we were going to fight for this child's life and in some ways I did have to flee I had to be very careful to protect myself and my son from those thoughts that I wouldn't become discouraged and I did go into hiding a little bit because the world is strong in those opinions and going countercultural to the world can be very difficult yeah and so I did understand what blessed mother was going through not knowing what was coming on that journey, I didn't know if my child would survive. I didn't know if he'd make it to birth. I didn't know. Yes. I didn't know the sorrows that might be coming. I just had to trust in the Lord. And it takes complete trust like Mary to be able to walk on some of these journeys. And honestly, walking through that pregnancy was kind of like going to a foreign land for me because it was not a normal pregnancy. It was not a normal journey. And people no. didn't understand it. So I was speaking a different language than other people, and I had to fight to protect my son. So in those moments, I began to understand very, very much what Blessed Mother was going through in that time. 
Yeah. And I'm sure that there are some listeners out there who have either endured a similar journey as you are explaining right now, or are even facing it right now, where they maybe have a a pregnancy that, that, that's a, a high-risk pregnancy like yours was, um, where maybe some people are trying to convince them that it's not worth it, just go ahead and have that abortion. And, you know, we're going to always encourage people to follow Christ. And Christ and his church has taught us very clearly that we are to choose life in every instance and to entrust that the Lord's plan is going to see us through to what is best even when it's difficult. And yours was a difficult journey. It was indeed a difficult journey. But one thing I would speak to, you know, just a little bit of a witness of hope to those that might be experiencing something like that is to remember that every single soul has a mission and a purpose. No matter how short that life, no matter what the situation is that they're coming into this world, they are have a will and a mission. And my son did too. He dramatically changed those around us. He changed minds. He changed hearts. That was the beginning of my deepest conversion was through him and through that suffering. And through suffering, we grow in faith. We grow in love. We grow in all the virtues. And that is what the Lord wants for us. And that leads us towards our salvation and the salvation of everybody around us. I love that. That's a wonderful way to kind of pull that piece of the story um, to a really important highlight of, of your journey. So let's talk about the next uh, sorrow. Uh, the, the next sorrow is the loss of the child Jesus in the temple of Jerusalem. And that comes from Luke chapter 2, 41 through 51. I'm going to read this whole scripture. So each year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to festival custom. After they had completed its days, as they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. I'm going to skip ahead. And it says, when his parents, they went after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And so again, let's talk a little bit about the anxiety and sorrow that they were experiencing during those three days, searching for their beloved son, Jesus. Can you imagine? Not at all. And here you are, you have an inkling that your son is the son of God and you've lost him. Oh my gosh. And again, as I just alluded to earlier about how Bless's mother's heart just felt everything so strongly, everything about her son. And so she was, I'm sure, just beside herself. Oh, my gosh. I had an experience, Joan, when my second daughter, Danielle, was three years old. And we were in a big mall, Gurney Mills Mall. And she went missing for about 15 minutes. And I was beside myself with fear and anxiety. I was crying. I was screaming her name. I was running frantically through the mall. And then luckily, some nice couple found her. And I saw them walking towards me with her in hand. And I just, I just fell to the ground, collapsed, crying that my daughter was okay. 
And I think in those moments, time stands still. What was three days for them to go back and to journey and to look for him probably felt like an eternity. Oh, I can't imagine. Um, And, you know, to lose a child is to lose a piece of yourself. It's excruciating because mothers want to protect their children at any cost. So it's extremely painful when a child goes missing. Um, Now, one of the reasons Mother Mary is so exceptional in her ability to support us in our own journeys, which are often sorrowful, is because she truly understands firsthand uh, the deep sorrow and the pain of not fully understanding why certain things happen during our journeys towards God. Do you want to speak a little bit about that, Joan? I I do, because... You know, when I was in the midst of all of that, there's always that questioning you have is why. You know, we face sorrows and troubles and we begin to ask God why. You know, we begin to get discouraged because we're wondering why these things are happening to us. And even Blessed Mother said, son, why have you done this to us? So she questioned too. Yeah. But Our Lady always knew that there was a purpose to her pain. Yes. Right? And so when when her son suffered, she understood that Jesus was fulfilling the will of his father. Yep. And out of trial can come tremendous, tremendous triumph. And so even in our darkest times, God's going to bring about greater good for us. And we have to have that faith. So we struggle sometimes to understand that. But I think Our Lady of Sorrows is a beautiful way to to, um, begin to understand that. Um, our pain has purpose. And throughout the trials of my life, you know, I was really, I, I'm more uplifted and consoled when I think of the trials of Mary, that she didn't have it easy. No. And that we're called to pick up that cross and to walk after Jesus. And she helps us do that. We're not on our own. So we can follow her example. And so I think that meditating on the example of Our Lady has really helped me to learn to love Jesus like she did. So beautiful. Even in the trials, even in the suffering, she loved her son tremendously. And so that's helped me to just stop instead of questioning why and just falling into that discouragement to recognize to recognize the need um, to trust the Lord and to turn to Our Lady of Sorrows and invite her into that pain and that suffering and to understand it a little better. I love that. That's beautiful. And, you know, we have about a minute before uh, we end this segment and go to commercial. But what I want to also add to that is she had St. Joseph by her side. You know, you had Paul by your side as you walked through the trial of John Paul's pregnancy. Uh, I have my husband. Not everybody has a spouse. But what I want to encourage the listeners is to make sure you're part of a community. If you don't have someone strong in your family to walk with you towards the kingdom, make sure you have holy friends. And that's, again, one of the things that Joan and I lean into quite a bit. We do this for each other. We encourage each other. When when one of us is down, the other one comes and encourages and, and vice versa. And that's why it's so important to belong to a community of faith where you have other brothers and sisters who will help you to carry the cross because we never walk alone, right? So this is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. Uh, We'll be right back after this short break. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. 
A prayer for deliverance with Father John Regis. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, we just ask for the grace of your Holy Spirit to come down upon us, the intercession of Our Lady and of all the saints and angels, and we come against any influence of the occult or the New Age that might have infiltrated any of our listeners, the children, their grandchildren, the nieces, nephews, brothers, and sisters, and families, and we bind Satan and all of his minions in any way that have bound any of these individuals or their families in this occult practices, and we invoke Mother Mary. Also, in all the saints, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I just break all bounds and all influences of the new age upon any one of our listeners. And may they be broken in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May He send upon them the grace of the Holy Spirit to free them. And may our Mother Mary place her motherly mantle to protect them and crush the head of the evil one as she was promised to do so in Genesis after the fall. Amen. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I have Joan Spiros with me, and we are talking about Our Lady of Sorrows and the seven sorrows that make up this devotion. And I think it's you know a beautiful devotion that many people don't maybe know that much about. And so here in the month of September, we, we honor Our Lady of Sorrows. So we've just talked about the first three sorrows, okay? So the, the first one being the prophe- prophecy of Simeon. Um, when he told Mother Mary that her heart was going to be pierced with a sword. The second one was the flight into Egypt in the middle of the night when St. Joseph had a dream that told him to take the child and his mother and flee because Herod wants to kill Jesus. And the third sorrow is the loss of the child Jesus um, in the temple of Jerusalem. So they were missing him for three days, and then they found him, thank goodness. So the fourth sorrow is when we go all the way to the passion of our dear Lord. Okay. So we go from, you know, infancy to a 12 year old Jesus, and now we're already at his passion. So this is kind of just to put things in perspective. So the, the fourth sorrow is Mary's meeting Jesus on the Via Dolorosa. Now this is not found in the new Testament. Okay. But as the Catholic, as Catholics, we know that we lean on tradition we lean on the word of God and we lean on the magisterium, okay? And in tradition, we have saints and we have people who have walked very closely with our Lord, li- lived heroically virtuous lives, and who have been gifted with certain uh, insights where the Lord will come and reveal certain things that he didn't share in the word, in the written word of God. Or Mother Mary will come and, you know, there's different ways that some of the saints have experienced and and come to know information that we trust to be probably very, very close to what really happened. Now, it's not um, necessary that people adopt these extra beliefs since it's not in Scripture and it's not like a requirement that you believe this stuff, but it does enrich our journeys if you're open to listening and, and learning also. So um, although the four sorrows is not in the, the New Testament, 
Christ himself gave the following account to Sister Josefa Menendez, a Spanish nun and mystic in the 1920s. And this is what he said. Come a little further with me. There you will see my blessed mother, who, whose heart is pierced with grief. She comes to meet me, and that for two reasons. That seeing me her God, she may have fortitude to endure, and then to give me, her son, courage to carry on and complete the work of redemption, helped by the sight of her heroism. Consider the martyrdom of these two hearts. What does this mother love more than her son? And far from being able to help him, she knows that the sight of her anguish increases his. And I, who do, who do I love more than my mother? Not only can I offer her no comfort, but I know that the terrible plight in which she, she sees me pierces her heart with a sorrow like my own. For if I suffer death in the body, she suffers death in her heart. See those eyes fixed on mine as mine, dulled and blinded with blood, are fixed on hers. No word is spoken, but what a world of intercourse our two hearts exchange in one heartrending glance. Isn't that beautiful? Powerful, powerful. And I think it, it really brings home the importance of Mary's suffering during the passion of her son. And, and despite this terrible suffering, she did not run away from the painful reality of what he was in, enduring, but he, she encouraged him to continue because she knew it was the only way to bring salvation to the world. Always looking for the will of the Father. Exactly. So amazing. And that is why we can turn to our mother in every situation, because she will never fail us. She will always lead us to the will of God. And she will encourage us and strengthen us because she understands our suffering. And that's the kind of mother I know that I want to be. I know that you want to be. It's not easy. No, it's never easy. Not, Not at all. And I know, Joan, that you understand this need to walk close with those you love who suffer. I do. Uh, And it can be so hard to walk closely with those we love who are suffering because we, again, begin to share in their suffering. And I have a son who has type 1 diabetes. And the first few years after his diagnosis, they were incredibly hard. He had to adjust to that whole new way of living. And we didn't sleep a whole lot during those years. And I would have to wake up a couple times a night just to help him. Occasionally, he'd have low blood sugars that he'd have to recover from. And it was incredibly lonely. I would be there in the middle of the night and just wonder, you know, why all this suffering, Lord? Why for my son? I didn't understand it, but I would pick up my rosary. And at that time, I would just sit there and I would begin to read and meditate on the mysteries and be with Blessed Mother. And things began to make more sense to me. It was just such a beautiful thing because I began to feel that Blessed Mother was right next to me and she was encouraging me. She was a mother of an encouragement. Um, And I began to trust more in God's providence. And I began to entrust my son more to God. And it just lifted a lot of that darkness and gave me a tremendous hope in my heart just to know that my, my Heavenly Mother knew what I was going through. She knew as I looked on my son on those nights, she knew what it was like to look at her son as he was on the way to the cross. 
He was on the way to Calvary. And she knew that I can't change my son's diagnosis. I can't change his illness. It's going to be the rest of his life that I walk with him through this difficulty. But she did too. And so I know I can pick up that cross. Even if it was just enough hope for that next day, it gave me that strength. Exactly. I love that. And again, in a world where so many people uh, encourage you to run from suffering, right? The world is often saying, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't pick up that cross, you know, run from it. Do you do you whatever feels good. But that is not the way of our Lord and our lady. No, and we have to understand the value of suffering. By suffering through this illness, through some of the loss we've had in our lives, our family has uh, become a family of more depth. Amen. more love, learning to sacrifice. This makes us grow in our faith in a tremendous way. We become people that are strong and resilient and have fortitude and desire. don't desire the things of the world. It strips us away from the world. That's what the cross does. It totally strips us away from the world. It really does. And there's great freedom. Great freedom. Okay, so we move on to the fifth sorrow, and that is the crucifixion of, of Jesus on Calvary. So in this fifth sorrow, we see that our blessed mother herself paid a tremendous price. She gave us her son. He in turn gave us his mother when he entrusted her to St. John's care with his words from the cross, behold thy son, behold thy mother. And that's John chapter 19, verse 27. And so the church has long held these words that uh, that, that they made Mary our mother as well as St. John's mother, right? So What a beautiful thing that one of the last words spoken from Jesus from the cross was to give us his mother. He was thinking of us as he was dying on the cross. And I mean, what a gift, right? Like my mother who was conceived without sin, who bore me, who protected me, who stood with me at the foot of the cross while I was dying. And I'm giving her to you now because you're going to have your own crosses to carry and your own suffering to endure. Yes. And she was also the, the most perfect disciple. And so yes. she, you know, giving, giving her to us allowed us to have this beautiful example of how we were to be. He yes. did not leave us alone. No, he never does. And so, you know, I, I want to encourage anyone who's listening right now who maybe doesn't understand the role of Mary in the journey of faith, right? And I didn't fully understand it. I know plenty of people who have struggled with understanding Mary's role. Um, But the reality is that we need a mother and we need a father. You know, we have God the Father. We have Christ our Savior and our brother. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, but we also need a mother. That's what makes us whole, right? There's a family there. And so don't be afraid to draw close to Mary because she will never interfere with your relationship with Jesus Christ. She will enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ, and she will intercede for you in ways and protect you in ways you can't even imagine. I think a lot of people that don't understand the Catholic faith have a hard time with that. They think that Blessed Mother will will interrupt or, you know, block um, them from knowing Jesus better. And that is never her purpose. And the closer I've come to her, just the more I've fallen in love with Jesus in a more perfect way. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to read a little bit about another saint, St. Bridget. And she supposedly had a visit from Mother Mary herself. And Mother Mary said this to St. Bridget, I stood right next to his cross. And because the nearer something is to the heart, the keener is its stab. 
So his suffering was more painful to me than to others. And when he looked down at me from the cross and I looked up at him, tears streamed from my eyes like blood from veins. His suffering became my suffering because his heart was mine. In a certain way, my son and I redeemed the world with one heart. That's powerful. That's powerful. And you know, that's one of my favorite images because I, I love the sacred heart of Jesus and I love the immaculate heart of Mary. And I do see them as united because in fact, I was inspired to write a poem about it, about two hearts beating as one. You're, one of these days I'll read it on the radio. It's a beautiful uh, poem that the Lord gave to me, kind of inspired me to write. But they their hearts beat together because they love God and they love the children of God. And their whole purpose is to bring salvation to the world. And they do that together. They do it together. So amazing. So Joan, as believers, we, we know that no matter what suffering comes our way and no matter when the Lord calls us home in death, God has the final word. And it's important to remember that no one took Christ's life from him. He laid it down voluntarily as we read in John 10, 18. So can you share with the listeners the another part of this revelation that was given to St. Bridget from Mother Mary? Yeah, absolutely. And Mary told Bridget, St. Bridget, about one consolation that she experienced. So Mary says that at Jesus's death, I fully understood that everything had happened in accordance with his will and that it could not have happened unless he had permitted it. And I thanked him for everything. A certain joy was mingled with my grief, for I perceived how he, who had never sinned, had willed to suffer so much for sinners out of his great love. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. And again, that should console all of us in our suffering. When we are suffering, remember that it's being permitted by God to carry the cross, to endure the suffering. And we have to really fight against that uh, self-pity, the bitterness that can rise up in our hearts, uh, the anger, not to say that God can't handle it, because you and I both know, Joan, that we've both been angry at times, like, Lord, why does it have to be so hard? I've, I've said it, you've said it, right? But in the end, God helps us and Mary helps us to understand that this is not our true home, that there, we live in a fallen world and suffering is part of the journey, unfortunately. It's not what he wanted for us. It's not. But I always think of that quote by St. Therese of Lisieux, this is just our ship. It's not our home, right? We are just Amen. journeying. This is just a journey through this life until we come to eternity. And I think there does need to be some acceptance when we're carrying that cross that these are the circumstances the Lord has ordained for us to work out our salvation. And there needs to be an acceptance of that and an understanding of that, that his will is something we may not understand, but it is what it is his will. And so we do the very best we can just in in that moment, in that hour, you know, sometimes it is moment by moment to just pick up that cross and do the will of the Lord and and accept. We do have to have some acceptance of our circumstances. We do. We do. And, And in the end, we have to truly believe the word of God, which says, my grace will be sufficient for you. Amen. Right? He never leaves us in our suffering. Never. He never leaves us. And he provides. He is a God of providence. Yes. Okay, so now we're getting to the sixth sorrow. And the sixth sorrow is one that many people are familiar with in the image of the Pieta, which is when Jesus is his, he's died 
and his dead body is taken down from the cross and Mother Mary holds his body, okay? And Mary, you know, she stayed by Jesus until his body was taken down. And although there are no, again, this is uh, not in scripture, but we, we believe as Catholics that this is truly what happened. And there's been different references um, to it uh, in different ways that tradition has it that she did indeed hold him in her arms one last time before he was laid in the tomb. So this is the sixth sorrow, and it's also the 13th station of the cross. So you see all this interconnectedness of the different devotions that we practice as Catholics, and it's beautiful because it kind of just reaffirms that there's a lot here, a lot of richness and understanding the entire story of Christ's suffering and death and what he did for us because of, he loved us so much. So again, let's um, look at, just reflect on Michel Michelangelo's famous sculpture Pieta, right? That has touched countless souls. If, if you've never seen it, you should look it up. It's again, a beautiful sculpture of Blessed Mother's grief as she held um, Jesus in her arms. And once again, Mary revealed to St. Bridget, um, this is what she said, while the others left the scene, I did not want to go away. Later, my son was taken down from the cross. We carried him to a stone, which I had covered with clean linens. All my son's limbs had become stiff and cold in death, and the blood which had flowed over them during his passion adhered to them. But I was indeed consoled that I could touch his body and take him onto my lap, examine his wounds and dry up the blood. Then they laid him out on some clean linen, and with my cloth I washed his wounds and his limbs, and with my fingers I closed his eyes and his mouth, which were open when he died. Now, Joan, I know you understand this in a very profound way. Um, I do indeed. Um... And this is something I don't share with a lot of people because this was something the Lord allowed me to share with Blessed Mother, this experience. So after walking with my son through those nine months of pregnancy, fighting for him, um, giving birth to him at the hospital, we were blessed to baptize him. Our family was able to meet him. And then he passed away about 33 minutes after he was born. And I know the angels were there. I know Blessed Mother brought him home to heaven. She did indeed. But once all of this stopped, everybody went home. It was just my husband and I in the hospital. I had the opportunity, um, like Blessed Mother, in fact, she was who I was thinking about while this was happening, to have my son brought to me before the funeral home took him. And at that moment, it was the only opportunity I had uh, to be with him. I knew he wasn't there. I knew he was in heaven, but I bathed his body and I dressed him in some beautiful clothes we had brought for him. And I just sat with him in my arms. It was the opportunity I had to be a mother to him until, until I see him someday in heaven. But I truly was thinking about Blessed Mother under that cross. And she says here, I did not want to go away. I didn't want to go away. I didn't want to have to give my son up for that last time. It was just so emotional. It was so emotional, but she was right there with me. And as I handed him over, you know, I had to remember that he had done his will and his purpose in life and that the Lord had taken him home. 
and that I had to just give him back. I had to let go of my son and give him back to his heavenly father. And I did it in the moment. And the only way I was able to do that was because Blessed Mother was right with me. And I knew she had done the same. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I mean, you know, the bottom line in all of this is that death is not the end. It is not the end. And that's what I knew. You know, that was the consolation I had on that day was that death is not the end. And in some ways, Lord had great mercy by not allowing my son to suffer here on earth and just to bring him right into glory. Exactly. Well, it's time for another commercial break, but don't go away. We have one more sorrow to talk about, and then we're going to just kind of wrap up the show with highlights of what we've learned about Our Lady of Sorrows. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes, listening to Catholic Radio by accident, and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Menina with Wholeness of Life, and I'm here with Joan Spiris. And we have been talking about the seven sorrows of Our Lady, Our Lady of Sorrows, the devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. And there's so much richness in it. It's it's um, a beautiful way to grow in understanding Our Lady's uh, journey through life beside her son, who is the man of sorrows. And, um, and to also help us when we are sorrowful, when we are suffering. So we've gone through the first six sorrows, um, but we have one more to cover, and that is the burial of Jesus. And so let's look at uh, what Scripture says. So Scripture tells us of how Joseph of Arimathea, a distinguished member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, but secretly a disciple of Christ, took down our Lord's body from the cross, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and laid him in a new tomb, uh, hewn out of a rock in a garden in which no one had yet been buried. He was assisted by another prominent Jewish leader named Nicodemus, and most likely others as well not mentioned in the gospel. I'm going to go back to the famous mystic St. Bridget of Sweden, and our Blessed Mother um, was shared with her what was going through her mind when they placed Jesus in the Holy Sepulcher. So Mary says, it would be impossible for anyone to describe how sad I was. Oh, how gladly would I have allowed them to entomb me alive with my son if it had been his will. I can truly say that when my son was entombed, there were two hearts in one sepulcher. Is there not the saying where your treasure is? There is also your heart. That comes from Matthew 6, 21 and Luke 12, 34. Therefore, my thoughts and my heart were always in the tomb of my son. 
So Joan, I know, again, you had to go through a burial of your beautiful son, John Paul, and a piece of your heart went with him that day. And yet you know that he's often with you and your family, and he's a little saint interceding from heaven. Absolutely. And for anybody who has lost a child, they do understand it is a grief that is deep. And it is true that a piece of you goes with them. Because as a mother, you, you and for me, because I didn't get to see his life unfold, it was, I didn't know, you know, I didn't truly know him, I just had hopes and dreams for him. And so in some ways, I had to bury those that day, too. And despite the fact that I knew he was with God, I knew he was in heaven, I knew he had fulfilled his will and his mission. But I still had to grieve, I was a mother. And one of the ways that um, I found comfort was that I would find my drive, my car kind of driving itself, you know, (laughs) in those times, I needed a little bit of peace over to Marytown, um, where they have perpetual adoration. It's in Libertyville, Illinois. If you haven't been there, maybe you need to take a trip there to check it out. But they have a beautiful, sorrowful mother's chapel. And I would sit in there for hours just finding some comfort. You know, it was a difficult way to grieve because nobody really understands when you lose a child right after birth. It's not really talked about. It's almost as if everybody just goes on and like nothing happened. And so I was so lonely and very isolated because I really couldn't talk about that with anybody, but I could talk about it with Blessed Mother. I could sit in that sorrowful mother's chapel and on the walls of that chapel are seven pictures of her sorrows. And so it was a real visual I could look at and see what she had gone through. And one particular day, I just want to share, this was a beautiful experience, was I was in there and there was an older gentleman, I'd never seen him before, and he had beads in his hands and he was looking at each of the pictures praying. And I noticed at one point while he was praying, he just stopped praying. He turned around and he looked at me and he came and walked over to me and I thought, oh, this is interesting. And he handed the beads to me and he told me, he said, I I think I'm supposed to give these to you. He said, in my heart, the Lord has just put on my heart that you are going through something, I don't know what it is, but that he wishes for you to pray on these beads. And the gentleman went on to explain to me that this was the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Um, I think it's also called the Chaplet of the Seven Sorrows. And at the time, I didn't really understand what that was. I'd heard about it a little bit, but so I looked it up and I found this beautiful devotion. It looks a bit like a rosary, but a little shorter. There's only seven Hail Marys on each of the, of the, of the, um, the, the chaplet beads, so it's a little shorter. But it was just a powerful way to work through my grief. Oh, powerful how way. How wonderful. And so isn't that like God, where he sends the right person at the right time with the right words to encourage you in a moment of sorrow? And I think the Lord just wanted to let me know he was indeed right there with me in that grief. He saw my grief. He knew me. He knew my heart. And he knew a way that would give me much consolation by praying this way. And so, you know, obviously, I can't even imagine the day that you uh, buried St. You know, I want to call him Saint. He is a saint. Well, he is a little saint. saint. Yes. Um, He's not the great Saint John Paul II, but he is a little Saint John Paul up in heaven. But but the day you buried him was just a, a very sad sad day as you know you just shared um but you you know with with your faith you were able to you know get through that day and anything you would share with the listeners about that time of um yeah you know I wish I could say that there was no grief and that it was just easy it was not but again I look back at that time and I recognize the fruitfulness of it. 
And this is where I would encourage others who are going through a difficult time or grief. You need to walk through it. Yes. And you need to trust in the Lord and have your recourse be to prayer. Because every time I was discouraged, I made sure I ran to prayer, even if I didn't feel like it. That was where I brought my sorrow. And because of that, there was just so much fruit. I just grew in all the virtues. I began to be more empathetic to others. I began to see others in a way I had never seen them before. I could look upon other sorrows. I was no longer afraid, Letty. Fear left me because I didn't feel awkward in situations when I needed to talk to people when they were struggling or when they had difficulty because I remembered the words of others. And so I could become a greater, a better disciple. And I could serve others in a way. And so I, I, I think I really tried to turn that sorrow into service because I could see the power in it of walking with others. And it took me out of my grief, too, when I turned and I helped others, despite what I had just gone through. There was a beautiful power. And that story, when I would share my story, it would just change hearts. Oh, my goodness. It's a powerful story. And for anybody who's listening right now who doesn't know Joan's full story, if you search uh, my prior shows, you'll find her and her husband, Paul Spiros, sharing that whole story with John Paul. And it is an amazing witness to God's glory in the midst of the cross. And it is worth listening to. It is worth listening to, but give all glory to God. Because if you knew me, none of this was about me and nothing about me. All all to God. So, I mean, the reality is we've gone through the seven sorrows and they really teach us a lot, don't they, Joan? And, you know, one of the things that we've mentioned throughout the show, but I really want to kind of focus on is that we as Christians are called to great trust. And that is a hard thing to do, but especially when we are in darkness, especially when we're in pain and sorrow, like trust is something we need to ask God to give us the grace to do in those moments. I agree. And I think it all goes back to remembering who we are as sons and daughters of Christ. God is truly our father. He's our father in joys, but he's also our father in grief and trials and suffering. He never leaves us. He's a beautiful, loving father. The love never fails and it never wavers. And so if we can keep our eyes on that and to know that we are journeying towards our salvation and towards our eternal home, you know, it it lifts us up above those trials. It gives us a bigger and a higher purpose and the ability to keep our eyes on what it is we need to be focused on because the world wants to crush us. It wants to bring us down. And in that trial and those sufferings, like you have spoken before, Letty, our instincts are to just flee and the world wants to tell us we shouldn't suffer. It tells us there's no value in that suffering. And we're here to tell you that's not the truth, right? Because that's not how Blessed Mother was. It's not how the disciples were. We are called to a Amen. higher purpose in Amen. our lives. And, you know, even like going back to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had to trust in that great moment of suffering where he was feeling the entire weight of humankind's sin for all eternity coming against him, which you can't even imagine the, the darkness he was in. And he had to turn to the Father and say, not my will, but your will be done. Like he was hoping the cup of suffering would pass him, but in the end, he trusted that if this was the Father's will and it was the only way to bring salvation to to humanity, he was going to trust himself to the Father's will. And I think my final thoughts on some of this too is when you are struggling, if you're in the midst of it and you're just saying, well, I just can't do that, have recourse to your mother. 
That's what a mother does. She is there to wrap us in her arms. She is there to give us encouragement. Blessed mother is the greatest encourager. Give it to her. Go to her. Ask for her help. She's not going to leave you unaided. She will not. She will get you through it. It may not look pretty as you're going through the darkness. I always say that. We don't have to look pretty as we're in the middle of all this. But she will help you endure. And she'll keep your eyes on Jesus. She'll keep you focused on that higher purpose and that place you need to go. And she's amazingly wonderful in protecting us from the dark attacks of the enemy, which is always going to try to discourage and tell us that there's no hope. That's right. And when you have that message of no hope or that discouragement, remember that is never from God. That is not from God. You can dismiss that and do whatever you need to in prayer to, to bring yourself back to that message of hope. Amen. She also helps us to understand that despite terrible loss and suffering, when we are rooted in Christ and know that God's will allows suffering beyond our understanding, there is an abiding peace. doesn't mean that it's a happy time, but you can still have peace in the midst of the cross because we know that the suffering is redemptive. It is indeed redemptive. And I can look back on my experience of giving birth to John Paul and people, if you see pictures of me and other people told me that in that delivery room, I was at complete peace. And even afterwards, I did not feel any kind of fear or anxiety. I was at peace. And it was because I had done the will of my father. I was at peace that I had done what I needed to do um, in his journey and in his life. Yeah. And it's a gift. I mean, it's, it is, a, it is a peace that surpasses human understanding because it is grace-filled, given to us from the, the uh, Prince of Peace, dear Lord Jesus. Absolutely. Right? And we know Mary as Queen of Peace as well, right? So together, they're always trying to bring us peace in the midst of the trials we face. Absolutely. Mother Mary is an incredible uh, example of courage, right? Like, and this is not an easy walk, Joan. <laughs> it is never an easy walk. And there are days I wake up and I just say, Lord, you have the wrong person. <laughs> you know who I am. I am not. And those of you that know me, I'm very quiet, uh, very introverted. Yet he continually calls me out of my comfort zone and, and to walk into to areas where I really just am not sure. Yet he shows up every time, and somehow I get the courage and the grace to be able to walk through these roles that he asks of me, including the suffering, because we are talking about suffering today. The Lord is funny that way. He is. He definitely challenges us. Um, she teaches us to be faithful to God while carrying the cross. So faithfulness, right? Um, fidelity uh, in the midst of wanting to drop everything and run. Give us strength to be faithful, dear mother. And then she teaches us that the tears of sorrow won't have the final word. Yeah, there. I often say, and you, you've heard me say it, Joan, this is a valley of tears, right? We pray that in, the, in the, uh, uh, one of the prayers of the rosary, um, that in this valley of tears. But the valley of tears will not win. It is, in the end, uh, God who will bring us into his eternity of joy, which is what else, what else I like to emphasize. 
And again, that we're not alone in that valley of tears. Um, you're right. That just strikes me. Like I think it's loneliness and isolation during pain and during suffering that is probably the biggest tactic of yes. the enemy. Yes. Tries to isolate us. He tries to keep us away from those we love. And I think Letty, you and I have experienced such a sense of community. Yes. And even after I lost John Paul, um, even when I was walking through all those trials with my son who has diabetes, it was really the community that brought me back in and gave me that sense of hope. It had been others who had walked before me and had walked that walk that like I was talking about how I became a better disciple after my experiences because I had been through it. I was I had some authority in there and people could listen to me, you know, could listen because I'd been through it and they trusted me and it gave me that um, strength to, to be able to speak up. And so community is so vital. Is And so, you know, we have been blessed with an amazing group of brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we gather together pretty regularly to pray the rosary or to come together as a discipleship group. And we hold each other up. We we come alongside each other and say, let me help you with your cross today, because I see you're getting crushed by your cross today. And so we rally together around the one person who's really in the hardest part of the journey at that moment. And it always shifts. One day that you're suffering really terribly is a day I'm doing okay. And then another day I'm really struggling and you're doing okay. And we help each other, and we couldn't make it without each other. We could never make it without each other. And even the first community, the first disciples, the apostles, as they were walking away, you know, even after Pentecost, they had to rely on one another. Yes. You know, they didn't have all the answers. The Lord didn't leave them with a total playbook. He gave them some things, but they had to walk forward into the unknown, and we do too. And there's times we need to be held accountable too. You know, times we're getting off the path, times we're wavering. Yes. And we need someone who, who lovingly helps us back onto the path. Amen to that. That's for sure. Well, Joan, I just want to thank you um, for coming and being a witness today, sharing, you know, some of the sorrows of your journey of life um, with our listeners. And again, for being a witness to faithfulness and fidelity to our dear Lord and how Mother Mary has helped you on this journey. And it's always just such a pleasure to come on this show and to just share with others what God has done for me, because he is great. Amen. Yes. And so thank you all for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this show about Our Lady of Sorrows, and we'll be back next month. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. Until we meet again, I'm wishing you all His Fullness of Life. Bye. Salve Regina, Mother Misericordia, Pizza Dulcedo, Espes Nostra Salve, A te clamamos, Exules Filiebe, A te suspiramos, Gementes et Flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, illustruos misericordes oculos a nos convete. Et Jesu, benedictum fructum ventris tui, nobis postoc exilium ostende. O clemens, o clemens,